Welcome to the Insight Podcast from HRE Source. I was really impressed with everyone I met, right? Yeah. So they were they're all very intelligent, very hardworking, physically fat, able to take a challenge, like good humored. I, I want some stories to tell my grandkids. I spent this part of well, five and a half years in the Navy, traveling around, driving ships around. And he's like, all right, so you're doing an MBA. All right, you're ex-military. He's like, well, we hired a lot of ex-military people. We hired a lot of MBAs. Like, ping me your CV over. Amazon's a huge company. You're going to get um, guardrails about where you can where you can play, where you can make decisions. So imagine, imagine a vast room, right? You're talking final scene of, you know, Indiana Jones, you know, they're putting the Ark of the Covenant away, right? So it's absolutely vast. Um, for people looking looking for a change, I'd, I'd always recommend, see if you feel that little bit of discomfort in your tummy, David, do you get that sometimes when you take on something a little bit tricky? I think the way I look at it as well is if you sit down and list everything we do from our pay to our support, to our benefits, to our flexible working, to the job opportunities, to, I don't know, the cultural work, all, all these kind of things. We're awesome, right? We're great. Yeah. Um, what we're rubbish at is um, landing that message. Insight with David Lord and guests. They love talking about people, but in a good way. In this episode of the Insight podcast from HR Resource, we're still looking at customer service and we get to talk to somebody who's at a very senior level at one of the world's largest organizations. We thought it might be a useful experience to interview somebody who's been involved in managing and making decisions at the very highest level in an area that we have pretty much all had experience of. Graham Allison is a very senior executive at Amazon, and he can share his experiences of that organization and his career path, which in itself is very interesting. But also is interesting to hear that he didn't always want to start out in that particular career journey and corporate path. This is a man who wanted to challenge himself well before Amazon's opportunity came by. Graham worked for some time for the Royal Navy, some five years. And we're going to explore that part of his career and how that impacted on his own progression through Amazon. It's a fascinating podcast. We'll learn a great deal and we'll also explore Graham's views and Amazon's views on customer service, the ever increasing levels of expectations of customers and how large organizations are coping with that demand. Here follows the broadcast forecast for the next 50 minutes. The imminent arrival of a strong, warm guest with accompanying stories leading to the lifting of fog, a bright outlook and opportunity to plan your way ahead with confidence. We are aware of a pod office yellow cheese warning 
for occasional dad jokes by the host, but these will be light and intermittent. I am delighted today to meet somebody who, well, for the second, third time perhaps this is our meeting, um, this time virtually. Uh, we met a couple of years ago whilst I was working on an interim gig with an organisation called One Year No Beer. Um, had a very interesting meeting, was very impressed with this gentleman, and I thought at the time that it would be somebody who I'd like to stay in my network. And lo and behold, when we're looking at something like customer service, I couldn't think of anybody better really to introduce the concept of customer service on in an organization the scale this guy works for. Um, it's Graham Allison, and he works for a little organization you may or may not have heard of called Amazon. Um, and he's going to explain to us today a little bit about his life, his journey, and also um, something about the business and what he's going to be getting up to. And I think he's got some breaking news for us as well, which will be quite interesting. <laughs> Welcome along, Graham. Thank you. Thank you, David. Um, it's, great, it's great to be on and talking to you again. What I'd like, I just want to say first off, um, it's great because I know how busy you are. I mean, this is this is a man who uh, we should we should know. He he has an organisation which I think he's got something like two thousand staff. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's it's more than that now. So like my LinkedIn's a little out of date. So okay. when we're we're running one site, we're around two thousand. Um, I'm now. I'm responsible for eight sites, so you know it's it's more than more than ten. But right. I guess in Amazon scale, that's quite normal. That's crazy. Keeps you busy. Um, you've got a very interesting career path. Um, I want to just step us back a little bit and look at um, what life was like for you um, early doors. You know where, where where you grew up. I mean, I, I detect the, the Scottish accent. So uh, yeah, um, yeah. In terms of I don't know the, the Graham origin story. So I was I was born in Glasgow. Um, my my family's from Glasgow predominantly, and we moved to Ayrshire um, when I was young. Yeah. So I was brought brought up in a, a small town called Beeth. Um, sort of roamed Ayrshire playing football and sports and whatnot. Um, living the life. I moved to Edinburgh to go to, to university, you know, at the end of, the end of school. Um, and I studied um, a very confusing subject at that time to many people who were asking what I was doing, but um, it makes more sense now. And that was artificial intelligence um, and computer science. So this was before artificial intelligence became this, you know, thing. Yeah, before it was, maybe, maybe, before it was maybe, real... people, maybe people had seen... Total Recall, or maybe they'd seen some programs that, you know, Arnie or <laughs> some programs that might have given them this some sort of dystopian view of, of life with AI, but how yeah, did you... I, um, I, re I remember trying to explain it to my, like, friends' mums and things, and they, they just couldn't get their, get, get their head around it. Or the nodding, or so like, yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it. It's a glazed um, look. <laughs> but yeah, so I moved, moved off to Edinburgh, um, studied AI and computer science. Um, what, what I learned was, like, I'm pretty good at maths, but I'm terrible at computer programming, right? Um, like, like, really bad. Um, right. So it was garbage in, garbage in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and it took me, you know, what, five hours to, to do a few bad lines, bad lines of code. Um, I came, came to graduation, wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but knew I didn't... Um, or I was very unlikely to be successful as a, as a programmer. Right. Um, and then I, I did the classic thing of, you know, going to careers fair, got talking to a military recruiter, 
who invited me to um, something called Navy Days, which is um, it's like a big shindig in Plymouth with helicopters and fast jets and warships. And they, they take you out. Yeah, so it's, they show you every, every piece of like cool military thing in the in the UK and, you know, give you some drinks yeah. um, from there. Um, and started digging into a little bit. I made the slight right-hand turn to um, join the Navy. Um, so... So I guess I guess the guys that you're at university with are like, Graham, what are you doing? You know, yeah, it was all looking for sort of you know nice corporate jobs, or they're looking for to get in, especially if they were in and around the Edinburgh area where there's a lot. There's, I mean, there was a lot of opportunities. There was a, there was a lot, and there was um, a lot of scope to go go further in academia as well for for people. So there's a lot of people moving on to PhDs, a lot of people yeah. going to um, the US, given you know the links links there. Um, people rolling into, you know, tech companies, sort of pretty good salaries. Um, I think the way I, I sort of explained it to my to my friends and my family was like, I, I want some stories to tell my grandkids, right? Um, right. And, you know, I want to say I've, I've done something cool, um, which mostly panned out. Um, so, uh that's quite precise of you, though. That, I mean, that is, I mean, obviously, at that age, thinking about grandchildren, I'm still trying to fight it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know yeah, if it was quite that. Right. My daughter gets married next year, so, you know. Um, yeah, you never know. <laughs> but I, I'm certainly the age. Uh, but but to, to be thinking in terms of challenges, for you personally, because I'm obviously nice stories to mm. tell, but you, you didn't want to settle for the soft, sort of cosy, cushy, open plan office sort of, we work yeah. around then sort of like nice sort of officey type environment you wanted to be out there you know action man well that, that, again i think what what i took away from um the visits before i joined was i was really impressed with everyone i met right yeah. so they were they're all very intelligent very hard working physically fat able to take a challenge like good humored um and there was there was a degree of you know just being impressed and thinking you know what I would I would like to be part of this or you know have a degree of this um, coming out the other side. So um, it clicked. Yeah. So so it clicked. Um, I think like applied, you go through a, a kind of selection process, and then the, the glamorous side is um, depending on how you do when you're applying to be an officer, you you'll get a date to start. So I had a delay in my date to start. So, you know, maybe I just scraped through or <laughs> maybe the intakes were smaller um, where I got to work at Starbucks for, you know, um, I think it was about six months. Um, oh. So that was on Princess Street in Edinburgh, across from the, the castle. Well, well. Frequented it, was it frequently. <laughs> very, very busy, right? Um, and I, was, I was used to working hard, but... Um, working in Starbucks taught me like what was really hard because um, it was just absolutely constant, absolutely constant. Um, from from there, getting to um, I don't know military basic training, you know, it wasn't a breeze, but it wasn't too hard <laughs> compared to that. Um, and then I spent the best part of well, five and a half years in the Navy, traveling around, driving ships around. There's a bit more to that, though, wasn't there? Because I'm going to confess, I've, I've looked into the roles that you had. There weren't exactly um, shy retiring roles you had. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, the, some of those job titles. Well, the, the good thing about the, the Navy, right, 
is when you're when you're on a ship, the the you're called by your job title, right? Um, so, for example, if you're the if you're the captain, you're called sir or captain, right? Um, if you're the executive officer, you're called XO or X. Um, the navigator's called navs, and you know I, I had the most juniory junior officer job there is, which is the gunnery officer. But the good side is you get called guns by everyone. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, guns, there you go. Um, and usually in disparaging terms where people are like, oh, guns said this or guns guns is doing this or did you see guns make a, an error of this? Um, but you do get good, good job titles. That's interesting. I didn't realise that, that, that was the way it worked. But weren't you also um, a warfare officer? Didn't that yeah, work? so the, the, way, the way it works in the Navy... Um, when you join up, you can choose, if you like, different specialities. Um, so you can have, you can be, if you like, a logistics officer. So you're concerned with like supply, it's probably yeah. the H HR function. Um, you could be engineering, so you can go for marine engineering. So that's like big engines, dirty stuff, like cool. Um, you can go for weapons engineering, which is a bit more computery, you know, some of the fine work engineering. Um, or you can be warfare. And warfare is kind of like a command branch. So, you know, they're the only people that would captain a ship. Um, and it's mostly related to navigation, I don't know, operations, fighting, doing the doing the warfare. Um, it comes with plenty of unglamorous jobs. So, you know, although I was the gunnery officer, you know, one of my secondary roles was captain secretary. Right. So, I had to follow the captain around during visits, take notes. Um, I was in charge of like foreign exchange and like accounting oh, nice. and all kinds of strange things when you're in foreign lands. Um, so did a did a bad job at that on top of my um, <laughs> main role. And can you talk about the sort of places where you you found yourself in deployment? Yeah, well, I, I, I did pretty well. So um, sailed sailed around the Baltic. Um, that's like Denmark, we went to Sweden, Finland, um, went to St. Petersburg, Poland, um, spent plenty of time in the Med. Um, so, you know, you can pick a country around, around the Med, pretty yeah. much been there. Um, it's the military, right? So we spent plenty of time in the um, Persian Gulf, um, which, you know, has some of the glamour of Dubai, some, some of the perhaps less glamorous places in, um, I don't know, Kuwait or or further out, out with the Gulf. Um, when I was training, I was fortunate enough, like you just get a roll of the dice, which ship you get on. Um, but for me, I, I got on HMS Endurance, which was the um, Antarctic research vessel. So I got a couple of work periods down in Antarctica, um, plenty of time in the Falklands, and, you know, covered a a good number of random ports around the UK that you've barely heard of. Um, so yeah, it's like definitely got to see the world and um, explore some interesting places. And you got yourself not not for the, the first, well, maybe for the first time in your career, but you got yourself a gong, got an award while you were, which would be too modest to sort of tell, but say, say anything about it. <laughs> well, the, one, of, one of the things when you're going through, if you like, training college is... Um, it's fairly competitive, right? So um, some people drop out, some people go on. Um, and you can sort of find out what you're good at with a bunch of other competitive, hard, yeah. hardworking people. Um, 
so I certainly wasn't the fittest. I certainly wasn't the, um, I don't know, fastest. Um, I've come to learn I can't aim a rifle for, for toffee. Um, but Dartmouth, for, for my stream, was um, best warfare officer, which is kind of a bit on academics. You've got a bunch of active leadership tasks, and um, really a lot of it is not messing up badly at any one thing, <laughs> which <laughs> just about avoid people. Consistency. Consistency, yeah. Consistency, yeah. Good stuff. So you were there five years or so? Um... Yeah, five years. It was coming to, um, I was at the point of my career where it was either a decision point for staying in in the Navy and that you get to a point in the military where you call it like the pension trap, whereby um, you either have a half pension or a full pension just over the horizon so it makes sense to stay. Yeah. Um, or you can sort of take the take the choice to pull the pull the cord and, and try something else out. Um, th- at this point, I'd, I was just married. Um, I think I'd seen my wife for like two months in the, the year I was married or something like that. Yeah. Um, and thought, you know what, it's it's time for a change. I'm, I'm young enough, I can try something else. So It must um, be really hard for those that make it their career and then to maintain relationships. No, I, I couldn't do it. I, I don't know for a fact I couldn't do it. So I completely understand why you'd make that, you know, decision at that point? Because I guess it's you know it's one or two ways you could go with it. Um, it's super. You want a family life, and and I know that people do it and they make a success of it. But I think we have to have a, have to have a particular relationship and a particular. Um, it's, it's super super tricky, and I don't know if I could manage it. Um, there's plenty of others that couldn't as well, given the prevalence of um, I don't know, dear John letters <laughs> that some of the sailors got, or dear dear Jane letters. Yeah. Um, but well, I've got a lot of respect for those that can make it work because you need like very very strong partners either side of that equation um, to to make it work. Yeah. So um, Graham turns back to, to City Street, and um, so at, at this point, you know, I put, put, put my notice in, <laughs> put, put my notice in, and um, one of the the good slash bad things is the notice period is twelve months, right? Oh, wow. So you get a, a full full year's notice period. Um, you get a, a bit of support in terms of right. Here's maybe some courses you want to go on. Um, and I was sort of coming to the end of my year without anything particularly <laughs> compelling lined up. Um, and I had an overarching fear of, you know, being homeless and uh, <laughs> struggling with, with anything. Um, I'd done some open university courses whilst I was like, in the Navy. And so I had an inkling about going back to, yeah. to study for a master's. Um, I re- reached out to the university. They're like, well, just come in and talk to us over a coffee. Like, no. No excitement. I met the um, director of the MBA program at Edinburgh, and she was lovely. And I've, I remember coming away from that thinking, "Wow, right? <laughs> I could, I could do this." She was yeah. like, "You'll be fine. Just apply. We've got scholarships. Like, some of you'll be good for the cohort." Um, came back, spoke, spoke to my wife, and, and applied for for the MBA. That's so how you're up so and running. Up, up and running at that point. Um, I had to write an essay. I was lucky enough to get to get a leadership scholarship, which probably took some of the financial pain away. Um, and then had an absolute blast um, going back to university as a grown up, <laughs> which was which was really cool. 
Um, it must have been a bit of adjustment, though, because you've been used to this world, which is structured. It's I mean, this is told from somebody that my, my uncle was in the Navy, but I, I don't really have any direct experience apart from watching programs like, I mean, there was the drama series on the submarine vigil, which scared me to death. <laughs> Claustrophobia. Um, yeah. But but you get a sense of what it can be like. And it is, it's a very structured world. It's a very, um, I mean, yeah, the word regimented, but it, it, you know, your life, because that's how it has to be. And then you're brought back to an environment where you can go back to your own bed. You can, you can eat what you want when you want. And if you know, the freedoms must've been almost, well, I don't know. I don't, did, did, was that something? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because it's one of those things when you're, I don't know, in charge of a ship at night, right? So it's the middle of the night, you're looking out to the horizon, you're doing nothing of interest for, I don't know, six hours, mm-hmm. um, and you just reflect on everything you can't do, right? Like, it'd be lovely to be able to go and eat something just now or read a book. And like, if you don't have it on a ship, you're not on there. And it's, it's not like there's any internet when you're in the middle of the sea or. Yeah. Um, anything like that so you come home and then you're almost swamped with options you're like oh i don't know what to do or um what to see i do um, think we take a lot for granted i mm-hmm. really do um you know with, with whatever's happening in, in the world um, out there you know it, when we've got a, a reasonable quality of life and we've got we have got internet and then we have got a fridge just you know in close proximity or a starbucks um that you know we, we can take a lot for granted now I understand that it wasn't it appeared during this this time during the NBA that you got approached. Did you get headhunted at this point? Or no, um, it was it was way more chaotic than that. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, like there there comes a point uh, at an NBA where people have paid a lot of money and you know they've learned some stuff, but it gets real because they need a job, they need to pay yeah, off my right, student right. debt, right? Yeah, you got, you got to pay for it. And again, someone to come out of the Navy, like, oh, I don't want to be homeless, so I'm going to be, you know, unemployed. What's, what's happening here? Um, and fortunately, uh, uh, a recruiter just came came from um, a bunch of companies, but there's one from Amazon that came to the, came to the business school, did the presentation. You know, I was furiously taking notes, uh, making like, oh, that sounds super cool, cool company, very interested. Um, went up and spoke to him at the end, and he's like, all right, so you're doing an MBA. All right, you're ex-military. He's like, well, we hired a lot of ex-military people. We hired a lot of MBAs. Like, ping me your CV over. And then pretty much from that, sort of get sucked into the kind of post-MBA scheme just through the many Amazon interviews and tests and whatnot you get. Um, and then I was... So delighted to get an offer. <laughs> I can remember it vividly um, to to work at to work at Amazon, and yeah, I, I had a job which made the last couple of months of my MBA um, a lot less stressful. So you, this Amazon program, it's sort of like um, what, yeah, what you, you're acclimated to, to. Yeah, let me let me let me talk through it because I do. Yeah. I guess um. Um, I kind of sponsor for the program now. So the, the idea is um, you hire a group of people from they've completed an MBA, right? A, a good business school. Now they expanded the program to people that come straight from the military. So they'd be like um, a military equivalent program. Um, and there's also a slightly smaller program, but perhaps more technical for people who have completed PhDs or like very highbrow academic work. Let's, right. let's put it that way. Um, idea is you, you hire people into um, a big Amazon warehouse or a delivery station. And you just 
throw them into the mix, right? So right. it's like get get amongst the practice practice your leadership, um, and you'll get put in difficult situations, right? So in terms of maybe it's problems need fixed or tricky projects, yeah. but um, the flip side of that is you'll get amazing opportunities for for growth. You know, taking on additional responsibility, promotion, um, seeing different parts of the business, being involved in you know some some pretty cool stuff um as as you go through so the kind of the aim of, like the program's called the pathways program is can you take someone who's just completed an mba and get them to a director level role um at at the end of it and you know do you sort of chevy them along and get get them there with yeah, <laughs> I mean, back in the day and I'm, I'm talking some history now but um I met my wife at Thomas Cook while I was working there and uh, she was in personnel. She, she worked uh, for, on a thing called the Fast Track Programme, which sounds similar. I mean, you wouldn't call it that these days, but that, because that, everybody, oh, Fast Track, you know, I've been here 15 years and I haven't got, but you would bring in graduates. Uh, it was a graduate programme and people were literally fast track through to um, initially sort of junior management, middle management and, and on to senior management. And I think it, you know, identif- it identifies talent, identifies potential. Not everybody makes the journey because <laughs> it's not always for, for those individuals. Um, they seem to have an aspiration that might not quite meet the, the outcome. Mm. But clearly it has worked for you, sir. Yeah, like we've, I think for, for me, and like when I reflect where, where I could have been or when I see my peer group, I've just had that amazing opportunity after amazing opportunity um, putting put front in front of me since joining Amazon. So yeah. um when I when I joined, I went to the to the new one site, um, which at that time was in Dunfermline, just outside Edinburgh. Um it was a big site, huge investment. Um it hadn't particularly kicked off well, but you know, got got a chance to lead a fairly big team, then got a chance to lead a, a bigger team. So you go from I don't know, maybe leading an area of the shift with 50 people to yeah. Within a, a couple of hundred, um, I think the the whole site was on a, a good journey that year. Um, at the start start of the next year, I was, I was promoted to what we would call a senior operations manager. So you're in charge of, if you like, one one half or one third of a of a big Amazon warehouse. Um, I think the thing for me then is I was wanting to see a different a different building, so I moved to um, sunny Swansea. Um, yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> Do you can, have uh, any control over that at all? Could you say, well, actually, I'd, I'd like a posting. Um, I did actually. So the the way the way I thought about this this point, and like when I give people advice now, I recommend this is. So the, the site I was at in Dunfermline was the, the struggling site at that time. Yeah. Um, and then I was I was having a look at, right, where's where's a good place to go? The site in Swansea was kind of the sister site, the similar, I don't know, layout, equipment, um, size. Um, and I think they were looking for other people to, to come in and help out, basically. Yeah. Um, so took took this took the dive like you you'll get the theme throughout this my incredibly supportive wife who was heavily pregnant with her first child at this time said sure let's move to wales where we don't know anyone um, we'll figure it out and you know i had a i had an absolute blast in in south wales and you know my firstborn daughter's a, a strong proud welsh woman now yeah, um, it's interesting time around rugby time i bet 
it, it is, and you know, I've had to learn the, the Welsh national anthem to teach her and things. <laughs> but she's she's always been shouting on the red team. Uh, I think from when I was down in Swansea again, had a, a good couple of years there. It was predominantly leading like the outbound side of the building, so um, which again call it around a, a thousand people in a wow. big building. On, on a scale, was Swansea slightly smaller than Dunfermline or, or? much of much of a muchness. Right. So like the size of the building, size of the teams, they, they do slightly different things now, but um you know they're they're very similar, very, very similar. Um I think from there got to the point I was starting to do more outside my day job in terms of um I don't know, looking at processes or sort of leading wider projects. Um, it's more strategic got, stuff. Yeah, like there's, I think when people say oh, I, was, I was doing the strategy, like Amazon's a huge company, you're going to get um, guardrails about where you can where you can play, where you can make decisions. I think it was here, it's more like we've identified a, a goal or something we want to change, right? Graham, go and, go and see if you can figure this out or... Am I, am I right in saying that Amazon uses the OKR process? Is that still um, it? It does in certain areas. So right. there's um, there's a bunch of different methodologies used depending on the the situation. Um, so again, we can we can get into to some of those if it, if it interests you. But yeah, OKR is definitely in the in the toolkit. I just I just love, I just love that sort of strategy thing and looking at different methodologies. It's something I did during lockdowns I was reflecting on some of the projects that I've worked on as a consultant and as an interim where perhaps it didn't quite get over the line or yep. didn't quite work out as the way I wanted it to. So I did a lot of research and, and settled on um, the fact that what it was missing was something that comes out of OKRs, which is the momentum. Mm. It's the, you know, it's one thing to set objectives and your results, key results, what you want to do, but you need something that's going to keep it alive and to keep it moving and to keep it and, and measure it you know Quite. That, that it can it can actually happen and obviously google amazon some very interesting very successful organizations have adopted it and for a reason it works so but yeah sorry i i, I digress not <laughs> yeah, for no, everybody no, but no just for those who didn't know anything about it that's that's broadly what it is uh, john Doerr, a guy from intel wrote a great book called measure what matters um definitely worth a read if you don't know much about okls sorry very back to you indeed um I think from from Sonsi, I went to the site in Gourock, which is the west coast of Scotland. Gourock and Dunoon. Gourock and Dunoon, right? Just just over the Clyde, um, which is it's got to be the most beautiful location for a logistics facility anywhere. It's a ferry, <laughs> isn't there, from Gourock to Dunoon? Yes, that- yeah. And you, you see, like all these ships coming up, you know, there's like submarines going down because it's on the on the path to to Faz Lane. Um, yeah. It's an amazing location. So from there, again, I was started as senior ops, got the chance to um, become site leader um, at that site. It's a smaller site than the ones in Dunfermline and um, Guruk, but you know you're kind of it for the for the building. Um, so a good step into that leadership role. Yeah, I think so. It was it was, it was a safe place to play. Let's let's yeah. put it that way, because um, the site's very experienced. The the team on the floor could probably run the building for about <laughs> five years if all the management was wiped out, to be honest. Like, they, would, they would just know what I'll do. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a very good site. Um, and then from there, I came back to um, Dunfermline, where I got to like be in, be in charge of the site 
um, which was cool, like, because I was just say I'd started, I knew loads of the team, and um, yeah, like came, from there, came home in a way. So, that, that how, how long are we talking about from sort of starting there to Swansea to how, how long? Um, so I, I started what well, the end of 2012, and then I came back, it was like January the 1st, 2018. So, okay. yeah, just over, just over five years. Um, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, so that, at that point coming back, you, you, you're effectively um, in charge of the, the site. Yeah, so you're, you're at, um, I think, good thing is you get a good degree of autonomy. And yeah, I was able to, you know, take the team. Can I put you on the spot here, Greg? Can I just ask you for a couple of stats, just for, the, for scale for people listening to this, as to what it is that Dunfermline represents? What, right, what the, yeah, it's... it's, 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 it's it's very yeah. It's a, it's a good point for him, David, because I, I forget. So imagine, imagine a vast room, right? You're talking final scene of you know Indiana Jones, you know putting the Ark of the Covenant away, right? So it's absolutely vast. Um, then multiply that by three because there are three halls, right? Um, and then start adding floors, you know, multiple floors as you as you go in. Um, in terms of footprint, um, like usable floor space is like 1.5 million square feet. In terms of headcount, you're, you know, you're in, in the thousands throughout the year. You'll be, yeah. you know, well above 3,000. Um, excuse me, let me just turn the light on. Oh. Um, during the um, Christmas season. What does a building do if you return an item to, if you return an Amazon item in the UK, then it will come back to Dunfermline. And what the team will do then is... Anywhere in the UK? Pretty much, yeah. So there's a a few specialist things that won't come back. Uh, We'll come back to to the site in Dunfermline. Team there will process it. Um, customer will get the refund. Um, they can fix things. They can make things better. They can wipe memory. They can like. There's a whole bunch of exciting processes they can do, um, and we'll also ship, um, I guess, millions of customer orders every year. So um, there'll be again probably hundreds of thousands, millions of different SKUs or stock keeping units kept there, um, and yeah, they'll do. A lot of volume. Um, I mean, just, it it's immense. I mean, I remember driving to the meeting to, to come to see you, and the thing that struck me were the laybys on the way into the, to the centre of truck after truck after truck that were parked up, sort of waiting in this sort of holding pattern. It was it's it's like an airport. It's like the busiest one of the busiest airports, but for, for roadway. And that's the way I could describe it in my head. It was. Just, it's it's quite phenomenal, and these are guys that have sort of travelled from all over the country, all over Europe, with whatever they have in their containers to bring it into to you guys. Hmm. Yeah, I think the probably the airport um, metaphor is a, a good one in terms of like size of scale, the way you need to organise, the timing, um, the, the logistics of it all. Yeah, it's it's fairly fairly similar, you know. Um, I think probably Edinburgh Airport's just about got us on on scale for staff, um, but there's there's not too much in it. Yeah. Um, and it so, is yeah. it's quite incredible. You you obviously have um, challenges, and I'm just you and I had started a conversation. I think at around about your peak moment, which is which just as we're getting into November, and yep. you know the Christmas ads are in full flow, 
And that's when you guys have to gear up for what's around the corner. I mean, how do you do that? And what 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 changes to the business do you have to make to be able to accommodate Christmas? Um, yeah, well, I think as as a you know an operations or a, a process you know guy or gal, what you what you want is smooth flow, right? So you know you want some nice just in time delivery, smooth demand. Okay. Um, smooth supply, everything flows nicely. You make incremental improvements and bang, bang you there. Um, so that's that's the process side. Now, Christmas, you're not going to change, right? Um, people like Christmas presents. People buy their friends, family Christmas presents. So you need to deal with the the peakiness of it, um, and it's difficult, right? Um, but it's a, a difficult problem. A ton of other businesses have solved. So. If you think of other peaky businesses, any any retail business, right? So whether that's a, a supermarket or a high street retailer or any online retailer um, has solved it. Um, pretty much any tourism business has also solved it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, again, maybe to return, return to the airport, start of the season, they'll have to hire a bunch of staff. They'll need to ramp everything up. They'll need to get all the throughput. It's absolutely correct. Um, agriculture is the same. Yeah. Um, ski skiing, right? There's, there's a whole bunch of similar similar businesses. What what does it look like that you want to do? I, I guess um, just, just just interrupt for a second there, but but obviously what has changed with with a company like Amazon is you've almost you've got to a point where you've created where you are your business that is that is in part created a demand because of the nature of the business but also through the way in which we live our lives these days, it's fitted in quite nicely with that lifestyle. And so we are living through an, an evolutionary change in the way that we live our lives, of which Amazon is sort of surfing, <laughs> the team and yourselves are like surfing yeah. in that sort of wave of demand. And, and, yeah. I, and I guess we don't really know. I mean, there was one stat that I saw, which, which, which rang true, and it will, it will make sense because 2020 saw something like a 36% increase in a turnover um the organization for amazon that's predominantly that has to be down to the to the to the pandemic however there has been this steady increase in ordering from home buying stuff online but it just got accelerated by the pandemic so in, in a way that in itself has been a sort of a, a, a an elongated christmas period which it's just carried yes. on Yes, um, and internally we call it like the, the two year long peak. So rather than a you know a, a two month long yeah. peak, it's been you know two two years and it and it feels like that. Um, and it won't I think go away, will it? I mean, it's not going to suddenly stop because people now have got used to that. I think the the way I have it in my head is we've probably accelerated a couple of years from where yeah. we were thinking, um, and a lot of people, again, not just Amazon, the whole, whole series of companies have been scrabbling. You can see it with the supply chain as well, with the changes um, we've seen. have been scrabbling to get those years of growth in the one year and catch up. Um, so I think most of the extra capacity will have been built in. Everything will cool down a little bit. Um, and really, the difficult bit is where the, you plan here, um, you know, for uh, for a certain still Amazon high volume of growth, and then it's two x or three x what you planned. Um, if you're growing and the growth comes in where you planned, what you can mostly handle it, ish. But the, I mean, it is a business that is that is you know the statistics are just crazy, aren't they? I mean, mm. what it's the business thinks long term. Like, there's no no way you can say yes. it doesn't. Like, it thinks very long term, and it's well willing to invest in it, um, even when it affects short-term results. So 
it's, it's cool to see that on the inside, David, I think. Do you think any of your um, military, any of your, any of your naval experiences and training um, have helped you in situations within work? And, and if so, can you give any examples? <laughs> right, I'll, I'll give you some like, yeah. some su- su- super simple um, safe for work examples, right? Um, so what, what does the military teach you? It teaches you some real basics that are like quite important, right? So you, you turn up on time, you're dressed, right? These are maybe being dressed is less important these days in like virtual world, but right. Turn up on time, you're dressed. Um, you can usually speak about anything with a, a reasonable degree of confidence, even if you're not an expert, right? Um, I think when it comes to leading people, right, usually that isn't very helpful if people just say that. So what does it look like? Um, you can deliver a message to a reasonably large group of people reasonably competently, right? So that's that's like a skill. It's a learned behavior that the military teaches you. Um, that's, you can, a pre- that's a presence and a confidence in public. Yeah. That, 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 you know, that, that people will come away from that having gained some knowledge, but confidence. In yeah. Part and even, even if it's just, and I found this on my MBA, there were senior people who'd had good careers who couldn't chair a meeting effectively or couldn't tell someone to stop waffling or couldn't say, do we even need to have this meeting? Like, what, what are we trying to achieve here? Can we just go and, like, work? Um, so I think there's a, there's a lot of, like, little things like that that are super useful. Um, I think the other one is maybe you get a bit of a, a sense about when it's time to step in, right? You know, like, the wheels are coming off, like, yeah. if something's going badly wrong and you go, and you can just say to everyone, like, like stop, let's step back and think about what we need to do here um, because we're unlikely to be successful on this current path. Um, so it gives you a degree of confidence in, in those areas. Yeah, I mean, some of the people management skills there um, are, are quite, because there's a lot of talk about um, emotional intelligence and, and being able to, read a room, um, understand the people you're working for, and actually bring people on in an organization. And uh, I was listening to a talk by the ex-CEO of PepsiCo um, recently, and she was saying that one of the biggest problems in business is the culture when it comes to managers. Because obviously, if you've got a large organization and you've got a lot of managers, they're responsible for those people beneath them. And if they're not tuned in and well-trained and well, you know, straight thinking um, and positive, then that's going to have an exponential effect on others. And it it really resonates because if they're not confident in themselves, they won't bring the people on around them because they won't want to be promoting for fear of, (laughs) you know, this could be my job or this, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be putting myself in jeopardy. And I think that's, that's such, I've I've come across that quite a lot in in business for sure. Um, And one thing I would say is obviously being Amazon and we talked about scale, it's huge. We could, we Mm -hmm. we could just list off, we could have had a podcast of statistics all about Amazon. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows it's a huge organization and it's grown. But when you're big and with scale comes, I suppose the responsibility, um, and then with the escalation of size and people and you and you become the spot of some negativity it's something about that i think it's the british are particularly good at this as soon as something becomes famous we want to knock it down <laughs> we want to, we want to take that whether it's an individual or whether it's an organization you know even even the likes of the bbc so with amazon you have come in for some criticism um do you think so any of that is is justified is it's valid 
I think the the way we look at it, and a couple of things we've done recently over the last two years has been really good. Um, we started running public tours, right, which was probably a big a big departure from our, our previous approach, um, which I think had a had a good response because you know if people and hopefully we're we're nearing post COVID now where people can yeah. do it do it again, um, can just come in and have a look at whatever they want. Um, I think the way I look at it as well is if you sit down and list everything we do from our pay to our support, to our benefits, to our flexible working, to the job opportunities, to, I don't know, the cultural work, all, all these kind of things, we're awesome, right? We're great. Um, what we're rubbish at is um, landing that message. And I think it's, um, like, no doubt, like, the company's got a, a long history and it's come a long way. There's probably been some lessons learned over the way. Um, I think the way I put it with my team is what thousands and thousands of people come into your site, they choose to come in here in a one employment world um, where there's lots of other, other things they yeah. can do and they stay and they, you know, they want to progress in the company and they make that decision. Um, when you talk to the team and they maybe talk to some other workplaces, you know, they're delighted and, you know, they're competitive for a, for a permanent spot at, at Amazon. So like, I think we've got probably a, a lot to do on the PR front. Um, mm-hmm. I think if someone just came in with a checklist and went, well, here are a bunch of things you'd want in a great employer, you know, we'd be like, tick, 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 tick. Yeah. And, and with some of the stories that have been out historically with, with the way that people are inducted into the organization, um, whether it might be about your, your, your environmental policies or the way you're handling goods that are coming in, some things that might be perfectly serviceable but end up in a bin. I mean, there's been a lot of stories about all those sort of things. I, I, I genuinely think any organization, if you lift the covers back on it, you can find something. And I think a lot of it can be down to the fact that Amazon is, is so big. Um, I mean, I, I, I would say from a personal point of view, there are things to look at by way of the carbon footprint when you order something and it arrives and it might be in a box 10 times bigger than the item itself. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right, do, you want, do you want to, do you want to talk, talk about this, David? Because I can, it's, it's something that, like, imagine you work at Amazon, right? All your, all your loved ones WhatsApp you immediately with these pictures, right? Um, <laughs> particularly <laughs> when you're me, like, what the hell has happened here, right? Yeah. Um, so the, the mathematician in me, right? So you have, I don't know, however many million different things you can order on Amazon, right? Yeah. So they're, they're all different sizes, lengths. Yeah. Okay. Um, if it comes in one of our buildings, we measure it, yeah. right? It's probably a good step. First time we've seen it, let's measure it. It probably helps with your environmental footprint. Um, sometimes we accept the measurements we get from other people, right? <laughs> and they're not always right. Yeah. Um, and when you put the combination of those millions of different things and you can order whichever combination of those you want, right? You're the customer, you can do what you want. Um, the actual box you would need for that is almost impossible to construct. Um, most of the difficult or the, you know, the ones that you would you would send to me, right? So at the end of this, you know, if you get a, a box with all air in it, you'll send me are things like umbrellas or walking sticks or rulers yeah. where we don't have like a, a very thin, very fine box because we need to construct that exact box for that exact ASIN. Um, so one of the one of the things you'll see more and more of is shipping without packaging, 
right? So hopefully you're seeing more and more of that already. Um, but that's a, a big drive for us. I've seen a lot more grouping because especially with Christmas coming along, a lot of presents being delivered at the same location, a lot of gifts being brought in, things, deliveries. And the smart sort of packaging of the stuff together so it comes together as one item. Um, it's almost, to a certain extent, you're a victim of your success in this regard as well because you, you know, I call it the prime directive, you know, which I'm sure there might be terms of that Amazon as well, which is the expectation that it's going to be delivered next day. You know, but everybody's got used to this next day type thing. And to, to, for a lot of people, but I don't care if it turns up in a, in a skip, but if, it, if it's arrived and it was next day, yes, I've got what I wanted. And sometimes maybe we need to, I don't know, is there an education thing for us? We've got to say, actually, it's, we need to think right. green. And if that means we get, it's two days, not next day, then let's do it. So like the customers, when you talk about customer service, customers are horribly dissatisfied all the time, right? And they should be, right? So they always want things quicker. They always want things cheaper. They want a bigger selection. Yeah. You know, they want better customer service all the way through. Yeah. Um, I think if people are even just annoyed with the amount of chaps on the door they get, there, there is an option called Amazon Day where you can consolidate all your deliveries and they'll turn up on yeah. a, a Monday, say, and it will be in way fewer boxes because we will have nicely consolidated them and neatly packaged them. That's what we've been them. doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's a lovely customer experience, but there's some things that you need. You, like you need, it may be a present, it may be yeah. a light bulb, where it's like, you know what, I actually need this quite quickly. Um, so I think it's probably separating those those two aspects out. And well, we've got we've got some great minds working on, you know, how we how we do both, right? That's that's really the desire. Like you want your things quick, hey, and you and you want it. And and you and, it, and is is your role now? Um, and we can perhaps talk about what might be happening for you in the very very near future. Um, are you able to use those AI? skills the knowledge the, the the thinking forward um of, of that you've had um that technology are they is that is that is that coming into any use or probably not like, i think <laughs> the, the honest answer is david um like when you see the, the the smart people at amazon are about 50 times smarter than me right? <laughs> i met some of them actually i met some yeah. of them in edinburgh for one of the presentations that we gave i think just before we, we came to see you mm. oh, and yes yeah, they're pretty smart, right? People, I mean, yeah. Wow. Um, so the way the way I see it is like I'm, you know, my my Amazon career has been like moving the boxes, shipping the orders, like you know, keeping keeping things moving. Um, but there are way smarter people than me that will be looking at machine learning or machine vision or like hardcore robotics, yeah. um, computational linguistics. These these sort of areas. Um, I, I trust their decision making in those areas more than me. Self awareness. That's what I'm Quite, like. quite. Yeah, we'll call it that. We'll call it that. I'm not stupid. It's, um, <laughs> I'm just aware. Clearly and not. I know my strengths. Clearly not. Uh, now, knowing your strengths, obviously somebody else has identified your strengths. I don't know whether this is, a, this is something you, you'd applied for or somebody, somebody suggested it, but could you tell us a little bit about the, the, the new job that you, you're just taking on? Yeah. So I guess, continue the career journey while I was. In charge of site from Fairman. Um, then I was um, sort of seconded on to um, build out Amazon's COVID testing process. So we have COVID testing suites in all our sites. You can take a PCR test that goes back to an Amazon lab. So we've got to put, put that together. Um, then I was a regional director. So in charge of being rather than one site, you know, I'm up to 
I guess seven seven and a bit now. Um, and then my new job will be in charge of staffing for the EU. So basically, how do we how do we hire all the people we need to hire um, to come in and work in our um, fulfillment centres or source centres or delivery stations? And that, as you, you touched on as well, that's going to be a, cha- a challenge for a lot of organisations now hiring. Um, yeah. I've- I've picked a bad year to, to do this one. Right. You like a yeah. challenge. You <laughs> like I should have done challenge. that five you years ago. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can turn this one around. I mean, I guess you're looking at a range, aren't you, as well? You're not, you, you, will you be looking at people from sort of minimum wage or living wage up to executive level? Or? Um, so I'll be pre- predominantly like the team that's on the floor um, in our warehouses and yeah. delivery stations. Um, what that looks like depends a lot on which country you're in, um, which I'm still learning quite a lot about. <laughs> the big differences between, I don't know, France and Germany and Poland and, and Italy um, compared to the UK. Um, we've got a separate, um, there's, like, there's plenty of overlap, but there's a separate, if you like, pure, I don't know, executive hiring team or um, specialist technical hiring team. Right. But it's, it's obviously a huge job. I mean, how many how many people does that add up to? You know, what what sort of numbers are we talking about? Um, in terms of hires, um, the honest answer is I don't know because I don't start until next week. But um, <laughs> well, if if last year's any any guide, I'd imagine we're probably six figures right around the EU, easy. Wow. Um, but we'll we'll see. And the difficulty is that people have got plenty of other options, choices, things that they... It's a, it's a, it's a competitive labour market. Um, I think everyone's everyone's seen that. So well, the, the good thing is in a competitive area, you've got to do some... You quite often get a chance to do something cool or different or innovative um, yeah. because you just won't succeed if you if you do the same things. So, so here's the thing, and, and I know you haven't started the job yet, but but here's your sort of elevator pitch piece for sort of people that are listening to this, or maybe they've got family or friends that are, that are thinking about Amazon. Maybe they've listened to some of the news that they, they, there's good and the bad, but why would they want to come and work for Amazon? What, what does Amazon offer? Well, offers a lot, right? So if you're looking for, well, people want different things, and it will depend on, on what they're looking for. Right? People want to come in because maybe they work in agriculture during the summer, right? And then they can get a, um, if you like, a, a winter job. Maybe they work in tourism, they can get a yeah. winter job, right? Um, if you're looking for a career, it's a great place to build a career. Like, you come in, you'll be trained, you get paid well, um, benefits are good, it's a good, a good team. And there, there are so many different paths you can take. So if you're interested in HR, well, you can go down an HR path. If you're interested in engineering or, or maintenance, you can go down that. If you're interested in, I don't know, leading a team, you can go down an uh, operations path. Um, well, I'm, I'm very confident talking to anyone at, a, I don't know, a Chamber of Commerce event when we, com- we compare pay benefits, working hours, you know, um, or flexible policies, you know, everything we put on the table is very compelling. Yeah. Um, if anyone's unsure, like just either do a virtual tour or come in. Um, we've got enough enough scale, enough people employed. Hey, like you probably know someone that's yeah. that's worked over there. I'll I'll level with you with one one thing that impressed me, which you might think is a bit of an odd thing to be impressed by, but um, it was the banter when we came into your. Into- <laughs> And then we gave the second the, the presentation. We couldn't get the technical bits to work, which was probably down to me. 
Um, but but the staff were just quite. You didn't come across as being anybody that um, job title. Therefore, you will respect me. You know, you know. It wasn't one of those sort of hierarchicals. It was very much team. It was very much. Um, people could speak to you freely, people could be very open and honest with you, but there was an underlying respect, I think, which, which was, and that's, that's leadership, you know, that's, that's, that's true leadership comes from respect, comes from trust, and that's built up over, over time, you can't just come into a job and expect to be sort of the boss and everybody run around from you. Trust, trust is a big and I couldn't agree more with that one, David, like, I think, um, particularly when we have, like, some of our new graduates come in, or our new new hires come in it's like we want you to be yourself and we want you to feel safe talking and we want you to use your brain and we want you to to feedback and um like that culture is vital if you want to if you want to be successful i think and and in relation to 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 leave the audience with something that, that this interesting very interesting career that you've had that has taken you into something of tales you want to tell your grandchildren um, which we haven't really got into. Whatever the tale that tells you're going to tell your grandchildren, maybe we're going to save those for your grandchildren. Um, but from that fascinating five years plus uh, in the Royal Navy into one of the world's largest organisations and corporations and, and building a successful career for yourself, what, what lessons do you think you might be able to give to people who've perhaps either been in the services or been in, been in a, a way of work? Maybe it's a public sector and they're looking to find work in the private sector. What, 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 what tips or guidance might you give them? Um, well, there's a, there's a very big wide world out there. Um, I think if, if I was talking to someone from the military to start with, it would be, you know, like back, back yourself, you'll have done some amazing things. You'll have a whole series of skills and abilities. You won't even recognize the skills and abilities because it's just normal, right? It's just normal normal days you know is everyone does it um but it's not necessarily normal um elsewhere um for people looking looking for a change i'd I'd always recommend see if you feel that little bit of discomfort in your tummy david do you get that sometimes when you take on something a little bit tricky um that's that's a good sign yeah and probably the more often you feel that or if you're not feeling it in your current job right um take take the step like there's Um, it's quite a good exercise. Um, Tim Ferriss talks around about fear setting, yeah. whereby you do, you just you list out what is the absolute worst that could happen, and it's not usually that bad, right? <laughs> it's like you know, at the end of it, it's like you know what, I could just go back to my, my old job, or you yeah. know what, I'd find something else because you know what, I'm all right, or you know what, I'd take take a little time off and retrain. Um, so I, I would recommend people take take the step because um, yeah. you want that discomfort. That's where growth comes from, like that little bit of discomfort. Couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I, I found myself at quite a young age in my early 20s with quite a responsible job. And I'd started to cat- catastrophize the whole scenario around me. I was living on my own. I'd moved away from home. I was, I was trying to make my way in life. I was ambitious. And I thought I'd stepped a step too far into this current job. I was surrounded by people who were much older than me, much more experienced, so I thought. And, and, and it was just starting to get a bit on top of me. And I had this weird moment where I had this little word with myself. I mean, these days I talk to myself, so it was more probably outgoing, but the time it was in my head. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I just thought to myself, you know, the next six months, you know, they're not going to chuck you out of the job straight away. 
enjoy it. You know, have some fun. You know, just actually see what you can learn, have some fun with it, relax. Because you're not going to do anything to your, you know, you're going to be hopeless if you're all you're going to do is stress about other people watching you all the time and monitoring you. And it was like a, a light switch. It was like a moment. And I remember very clearly now, it was, it was I'm, I'm old now, so many, many years ago. And it was something that I've tried to hold on to. It's very difficult to do, but because there's all different scenarios and you can always, you can always justify a mood or a way you feel because, oh, it's a special one. This is, this is really, really, but it's the same principle, isn't it? You know? Exactly. And it doesn't mean, and I'm a big believer as well in, in such a thing as the good stress, you know, the, the people who complain about being stressed, you know, okay, there can be things that are put upon you that are unreasonable, but life, there is stress in life. Um, and, and sometimes that stress is there for a reason. It could be a deadline. It could be a meeting that you've got to get to on time. It could be whatever it might be, but don't, you know, necessarily patch everything up as being too much stress that you can't cope with. It's, it's, you know, shot selection and, Hmm. and being relaxed enough in yourself to be able to, to, to do the job. I think that that's the thing. Um, and, and like yourself, you know, I know, I like to think I know where my knowledge starts and ends. Uh, I'm curious. I'm, I'm forever wanting to learn stuff, understand how things work. And, and I think that keeps you, keeps you moving as well. But I love, I love the idea of um, having the bravery to step into something that was a little bit different. Um, because you can, you, can, you can think about it, then doing it's another thing altogether. So well, um, <laughs> we'll see how I get on. <laughs> I, I mean, you you've got a big job to to take on, but you're you're so far through your career now, and it's it's proven that you um you can take the cha- rise of the challenge, which you, you you set yourself. And I think that's what you said when you you first set out in your career, wasn't it, to do things mm-hmm. that, that were going to challenge you? Definitely, definitely. No, Ed, Ed, but are you are you moving to Brussels? I mean. <laughs> Has the wife no. now got to pack the bag? No, like, to, to be fair, like, I've just moved moved into like new house. Like we've been we've moved house so many times, and this is like more of an actual grown up house. Um, but one of the things I negotiated was, now nah, I think I'll you know I'll, I'll travel, but you know I'm not moving yeah. to I don't know Paris or London or um, elsewhere. It's the balance, isn't it? You've got a you've got a family now. You've got uh, time to spend with them, and uh, as we've learned over the last couple of years. You can be anywhere. Quite, quite. Graham, it's been fabulous talking to you. I really enjoyed it, and I'm sure. Don't worry, right? Been fabulous. A pleasure, David. Um, Yeah, stay in touch. All the very best. Here's the podcast follow forecast. The follow account is high today and getting higher. To avoid cloudy events in future and unexpected drops in insight, we strongly recommend following this podcast. If you like it, please leave a sunny review.